so we said, okay, we're, we're engineers. We could do this. We just need to make it bigger, <laughs> faster, stronger. And so when you get into it, you're like, Oof, that's a big jump. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. This is episode 052, number 52 of the Flux Capacitor. When I launched this podcast, I wanted to share with the listener the types of conversations that were already taking place within the electricity sector about the future of the business of electricity and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. These were the sorts of conversations I was often having at the margins of meetings and conferences with industry leaders, stakeholders, government representatives, regulators, and industry partners. I wanted the listener to hear what we've been discussing over coffee, during a taxi ride, over dinner, or stuck in an airport departure lounge. Today's conversation could easily have taken place at the margins of the annual Distributech conference. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face, but using Zoom. On to today's podcast and today's guest. Harry Hurst, the Global Product Line Manager here at GNW Electric for our overhead technologies. Harry joined me for a bit of a distribution automation geek out. His company, GNW Electric, is a corporate partner of CEA. We discuss innovation in distribution automation his company's experience building their own microgrid, supply chain challenges, and the criticality of reliability. Harry's recommended addition to the Flux Capacitor Book Club rounds out our conversation. Here is my conversation with Harry, recorded in early February 2022. Harry, I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to join the podcast today. Looking forward to having a chat. So let's start with a little bit about G&W. So it started as a, uh, in a small machine shop in Chicago in 1905, and you've grown quite a lot since then. Maybe give the, the listener a sense of, uh, of what uh, G&W Electric is all about today. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, the company started as basically a two-man show back in 1905 and kind of basically was a take off of some of the things that come at a couple employees. So the company has since grown into what we recognize today, which is a, a leader of innovation, power products, and grid solutions. Um, we focus here at GW Electric around low break and fault interrupting switches, reclosers, high accuracy sensors, um, basically protective devices that go out on the distribution and the power grid. Um, to basically keep uh, the energy running and right. the lights on. Yeah. So what does that what does that actually mean uh, today uh, in in the market? Uh, presumably, the market is evolving and the market is growing. And I, you know, I also want to touch on what the future is going to look like. But sure. but even today, I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it, these are busy times. There's a lot of investments that are taking place. Can you give us a sense of of what that looks like from from where you're sitting? Yeah. Sure. I think the um, the entity in our in our headquarters here in Bolingbrook, Illinois, 
Um, we basically have our research and development, and part of that is really spearheading what our customers are asking. Part of our backbone and our foundation has been listening to our customers. So every time we listen to our customers, we have a bunch of creative engineers who have a thought of what we should be doing, and then we validate it on today's market. And not only today's market and headquartered here in the U.S., we basically have the sensitivity of other facilities, like we have a, a call we mimic our research and development to some degree in our Canadian office. We do manufacturing, right. yeah. we do our engineering there. Um, we also have a, a facility in Mexico, right. in Shanghai, mm -hmm. and um, in, the, in, in India and Brazil. And all these are feeders to the present market. So we are highly effective when we have a voice that we listen to in the market that we're trying to present innovation solutions. So um, it's quite exciting, yeah. I'll say, from the utility business growing into what we recognize today, it was traditionally a kind of a slower, methodical approach, yep. Yep. our fast pace. Um, our facility right here in Bolingbrook, uh, we're entering into a, a state-of-the-art microgrid. So our facility here um, later this year will be fully automated in a, in a high, high degree of automation and the latest technology in microgrid. So we will be so the facility itself. Island. The facility, the facility itself, itself will be a microgrid. Yeah, we, we have we have um, all the latest technology in the solar are, are one of our facility buildings is already retrofitted with the solar panels. Okay. Um, we, we have uh, some state of the art battery technology. So we've basically taken what the traditional battery sources that were a little bit more susceptible to um, maybe damage in a certain we've taken the state of the art. So we're really proud of this innovation that really is, I'll call it stems from our core business, which is just mm. listening and figuring out, um, but then implementing it. Right. So, and again, this is one of the things that we really do in our ownership has really been embracing uh, the creativity of our, our engineers and our, and our marketing folks to say, Hey, let's go try this. And, and this right. is one of those particular examples. So you, so your, yeah, your own microgrid, you, uh, you, you provide equipment for, for others, but for your own microgrid, you, the components, it's, it's got solar, it's got storage. What are the, what are the other, uh, the other pieces that, that come together? Yeah. It's got things such as flywheel. So. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. It's fully automated. Um, but one of the things that's been really, I'll call critical for us is the kind of keys towards our, our basically our foundation, which is, is keeping the grid on. But yeah. One of the things we recognize is the different aging infrastructures for the basically sourcing or the today, like we're, we're kind of all riding here through a Northeast storms, right. Yeah. That, that flew through here and heading up North and, you know, those impact us, right. They impact our manufacturing facility to the degree is if we lose our molding process, basically all our processes are stopped, right. We have to okay, clean, okay. Clean, and right. it costs us a, a tremendous amount of, not only the actual um, time and resources to clean, but basically loss of production are missing our schedules. So it's really crit critical that our infrastructure runs seamless. And yeah. that's really kind of been our backbone for our philosophy for innovation. Yeah. So when you're, when you're talking to uh, a prospective uh, customers for, for some of your products, you're able, you're, you're able to point back and say that you're using these solutions actually in your own facilities. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably the backbone of our innovation. And, and then as we, you know, as our core, uh, we'll call it core products that, that set out in the distribution arena and, and one of the more 
uh, creative innovations and revolutionary innovations, we've taken this up to a higher level. So um, yeah, we'll be able to demonstrate not only the fact that our products are working out in the grid around the world, mm-hmm. um, but we'll actually be able to show the technology and today's really exciting innovation um, that makes it really dynamic industry for us, right? So that, uh, and this microgrids are springing up everywhere and the interconnects and the, yeah. and the capability of having the right products bringing them on and turning them off and isolate them is really critical. Wow. Harry, one of the things I ask everybody that, that comes on the podcast is about, is about their journey. Um, so what was your journey? Yeah, I think that's always the creative side of where you get your background and your, you know, we're all kind of shaped of how we grew up and where we grew up in the yeah. uh, industrial. Um, but my journey basically came out of the university. I started an electric company. So I, Graduated from the University of Dayton and mm-hmm. then took my first position in a company called Columbus Southern Power, part of American Electric Power. Right. So quite large um, utility. And I started in substation design. Okay. Basically from a electrical engineering background, trying to think about, you know, power grids and all this stuff. And then I'm building up all those things inside those fenced areas. And uh, it kind of gave me the kind of foundation, the core. So as we generate power and we push it through the substations, having that kind of baseline of how you get it from transmission lines to stepping it down to the distribution. Mm-hmm. And obviously the house is really kind of the, I'll call it the core foundation. Right. Um, and then, then I had the opportunity to work with um, our, tra- what we used to call our transmission and distribution directors. And mm-hmm. uh, I had an opportunity for about three years to work and every entity of the business, from the transmission to the metering to the protection and control, substation, actual physical design to you know working out with the lines for three years, I was able to work on I'll call it understanding and create efficiencies about how things processed. Mm-hmm. So it's a very unique opportunity for a young engineer that progressed to uh, you know from a uh, I'll call it entry level substation to a senior engineer to now kind of working with all the or entities from the utilities from again even at the generation level working on efficiency and understanding mm-hmm. processes so it gave me this really powerful foundation to be able to kind of get and pick where i wanted to go mm-hmm. um, which was in the protection control so i migrated into protection control okay. which is really kind of the most um i'll call it challenging if from the yeah. understanding and the high speed and making sure everything works correctly um, so I progressed to that and became the protection control supervisor for um, AEP at the time, largest mm-hmm. concentrated city, um, which was really powerful. It was a 24 hour, seven days a week entity. And anytime there's an outage, it's a direction call. Yeah. I, I slept slept with uh, switch maps by my bed. <laughs> so that the middle of the night, they give me a yeah. target and I was able to say, yes, go ahead and restore. Or, no, or we got to do some certain things. So it gave you it gave you really a sense of like what it takes to power the grid, what it takes to maintain it and the sensitivity. So that was about 10 years of just that growing experience. And then I had an opportunity to kind of, I'll call it switch the field a little bit and go into the manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So I left Columbus Southern Power or AEP at the time, and then moved to a manufacturing up in Cleveland area. So focusing on capacitor switching design. So Mm -hmm. um, all the things I designed in the substation engineer, I was able to kind of start implementing, you know, into the products, right. And the features that I wanted in the utility side, I was able to implement it in the manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Um, And as the 
I'll call this a manufacturing. That company got bought by another company called Thomas and Betts. And then that company got purchased by ABB. And so right. it was a progression of, of bigger ownership, bigger uh, products, bigger solution set that it was, it was just like a plethora of, of opportunities to build and grow different certain things. And so um, I spent, um, you know, basically 20 years just working in that kilometer uh, basically a bunch of different levels of divisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had an opportunity for the, uh, to come over to GNW electric, mm-hmm. um, privately held company, quite different mm-hmm. in terms of the public health and yeah. really focusing on that innovation, really that um, c- in control of what should go on the grid and an owner that was really engaged to, uh, you know, kind of support that stuff. And so it's, it's, again, every time it's a learning experience and you, and like I say today is, as you learn something, you really realize that you've got 20 more things that you need to learn today when you're only able to, you know, give out about 10 things you've learned, right? So you're constantly growing and learning. Anyway, so that's, that's my journey. It's a, it was a variety of different paths that helped shape me from a perspective of what the customers want, meaning the electrical utility to, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't go right, somebody's going to be up at night and, and some, somebody yeah. is going to be responsible for making sure that that doesn't happen too many times. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, that I've been reading a lot about, I'd be interested to hear uh, your perspectives on that, uh, are uh, increasingly uh, uh, concerns that people have with respect to supply chains. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that, that's been uh, everything from, from transformers to, to fleet vehicles. What does the supply chain picture look like from 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 your perspective? Are are you seeing supply chain challenges as well? And and what do you what do you think the prospect is going to be for for being able to kind of shake shake loose some of those problems that we've been we've been having lately? Yeah, sure. It's a, it's an excellent um, I'll call it the question and an actual I'll call it not done just yet, but it, yeah. it's range for for us is um, certain things like a you know the freezes in the Texas, there's a lot of chemical petroleum type things that impact our business, the formulation right. that we use in our molding that were just so steady, they mm-hmm. become impacted, right? So our core ability to mold things become impacted. So, yeah. and again, when anything happened, the, the Panama Canal and, and the processes of those chemicals, right. you know, you don't realize that there's some, you know, we have a integral balance of this supply chain and there's certain things that happen in a core entity, you mm-hmm. know, it realizes, Hey, I can't always go to that. I have to have more supply chain channels. Right. Um, but I think it's, I think it's evolving. I think one thing it's, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, you, you knock one thing out and the next one comes, but um, it's, it's been challenging. And then the most challenging and I'll call it the differentiator for our organization is to be able to stay on top of it um, as much as you can. Yeah. But traditionally it's like when you lay out of, you know, your projects, right. You have lead times and your vendors expect to, to you know, to get an order and you expect it to come in five weeks or something. And they come mm-hmm. back and, you know, the fifth week, they're like, Hey, we're going to be about another five weeks. Well, that whole, when you have a large volume of orders that we're processing and then a really a integral supply and chain, you don't want to have too much in, you know, all over the, the factory that you can't yeah. be able to manage it. Yeah. You got to have it just in time. And it's been challenging. Um, I think, you know, what we've as an organization is our, our executives meet on the supply chain issues. Uh, like now it's kind of reduced about every other day to figure wow, out exactly. But even every other day. It's, so it's, every other day. Yeah. It yeah. was, it, it was, 
you know, it was every day, like yeah. what is the next supply chain? And then when you do a large volume, it, obviously yeah. it's, there's more impact, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we see a little bit here and there. Um, you know, our, our customers have uh, been more, uh, I'll call it the understanding because they see it in all channels. It's not right. like, you know, yeah. a disorganization by an organization. The ones that are really, I'll call better organized, the better redundancy in supply chains and qualified vendors like us, we, you know, we have a bit of ability to kind of recover a little quicker. Right. Mm. Uh, but we've had blitz, right. So it, it is, it's been challenging. And when we, we design something, we obviously start processing and then having it not ability to deliver it sometimes on a customer's expectation has been, it's been challenging for us, mm-hmm. but it, we see a little bit of improvement. Um, but <laughs> you know, any given day, we'd say that there's a, a microprocessor that goes in the re- a sophisticated relay that just doesn't become available. And you're like, what? right? Yeah, <laughs> this is our core, right? We need to have that available to us. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not manufacturing those microprocessors in Illinois. No, no it's a very, very long chain. Yeah, that supply chain is is, is goes right around the globe. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so I think it's I think that's part of you know, kind of strengthen your organization. And then when it happens, you start to realize that, hey, you, you have to have multiple channels, right? You have yep. to have more supplies and, yep. and you have to qualify more. And, you know, how that translates to our customers is our customers approve, right? They approve vendors, some of our vendors. They, so we have to ask them, um, you know, you have to open it up for us. We'll, we'll pick some vendors qualified and then, right. we, you know, we have to get your approval. So, um, so it's a little bit of work on the utilities as well to be able to, to expand past what they know is always tried and true to say, okay, we got to, we got to open it up a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so we talked a little bit about innovation and, and uh, you know, the microgrid that you've got at your facility there in Illinois and some of the, some of the uh, interesting technologies that using when you're looking out uh, at uh, the, the marketplace uh, and working with customers, what are, what are some of the really cool innovative things that you see uh, today uh, that that we wouldn't have seen a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've we've recognized is, um, and again, our core has been in the distribution. These are 38 kV and below type voltage classes, overhead and underground. Um, yep. So we've been really sophisticated in partnering with customers in terms of innovations and you know relays and automation to keeping as many of the lights on as as feasibly possible where the adverse condition is. Um, but one of those particular customers. And I'd say that, you know, every manufacturer who um, does things really well, they have a really close ear to the customer who's obviously thinking certain yep. things. And so yep. it's that it's that collaboration of the customer says, well, what, you know, I know you do things all the way up to 38 kV. What do you think about, you know, 72 kV, right? Do you think you could take that? And so we are, we're like, yeah, we're already thinking about that, but we're just wondering, you know, whether the market and so mm-hmm. Our latest innovation was really based on that same thing, a really successful Northeast utility that we've been doing distribution business with came to us um, a good number of years ago, actually about five years ago, started thinking about like, hey, can you take that technology and start putting it in a form factor that we don't have today, right? So it's a, um, a, in a voltage class. So we said, okay, we're, we're engineers. We could do this. We just need to make it bigger, <laughs> faster, stronger. Yeah. And so- when you get into it, you're like, Oof, that's a big jump, right? So each one of these voltage classes, you know, takes a little different level of focus, right? Stresses okay. and electrical. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's, I think, the, the biggest one that we've looked at and today and we're about to release, which is exciting for us, is after uh, multiple years, uh, that investment 
and innovation and listening uh, allowed us to kind of create one of the, the really coolest things from the utility industry is, is taking this, what we will describe as a recloser with a fault interrupting, isolating devices that yep. turns on and turns off. So, yep. you know, when our customers' lights are blinking, that's uh, usually our product that's trying to eliminate or clear that temporary fault and restore, yep. right? Really powerful stuff on the distribution. So you see a couple of blinks and it's on, yep. you're like, oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah, well, we've taken that technology and scaled it up. Oh, so, so you're going, you're going high voltage on this? They were going a high voltage, right? Oh. This is the yeah the innovation for us to take really successful in North North America, where we've been the leader in reclosers and the overhead technologies, and uh, now we're actually introducing and we have our like our key partner um, actually has it installed in our very first pre-trial units, um, all the way up to seventy two and a half kV. So their infrastructure at sixty nine kV mm-hmm. um, really was. I'll call it a vulnerable piece. Yeah. Um, and again, there wasn't any products outside the substations. There's circuit breakers and circuit switchers and the and the form factor for those were just really truly reserved when inside those substation fences. So, you know, something occurred, right? The utilities would maybe have a manual disconnect switch is some of the more sophisticated. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They would, uh, they, you know, you have to go out there, send a crew out if it's manual to go open it up and then you can start to restore. Um, so what we've been able to do is kind of leverage a little bit of our technology that we had, basically use some of our key partners and our vendor partners to great, create a, the right vacuum interrupter, um, utilizing our state-of-the-art molding facility that we have here in, in Illinois to start and our engineers to start putting molds together. Hmm. Um, so, and that was a really cool thing because when you're actually taking innovation and you've got a lot of these things working in the pipeline and actually take it to where no man has gone mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, uh, the very first, you know, sub transmission recloser that can now be deployed in a fully uh, self-contained integrated, which means it's got a mechanism, it's got right. cables, it's got controls, it's got battery backup. You know, none of that technology has, you know, been seen at this particular voltage class. And so that that's kind of folded into, you know, what we'll describe as a aging infrastructure in a transmission. You know, we and part of the part of the North America has one of the most sophisticated interconnection of electrical power Mm -hmm. across the world. Um, And it and and we look we look and it's um you know, some of these particular facilities are 70 years, you know, or, or 70% of about maybe 25 to 35 years. Breakers are older, lines are older. Yeah. And, you know, the climate's changed, the susceptibility of adverse conditions at the power grid. Right. Is, has, you, you know, you have an outage there and all of a sudden big chunks um, and cascading chunks of the grid start yeah. coming down. So. Yeah. yeah and, now, and now, and now we're, we're looking to a future and we're looking to a future where our governments, both, uh, both in the United States and Canada have committed to uh, reducing GHG emissions, which means based upon some calculations by, by folks here in Canada, that we're going to see a, you know, like a, a doubling to a tripling in terms of uh, clean electricity demand uh, and use by 2050. So what is that looking like from, again, from your perspective, that demand uh, is likely to, to increase at, a, at an ever more increasing pace? Does, does that 
create challenges, or is this just, you know more opportunities as, as as well for for greater innovation? What's what's your sense? Is that going to spark stuff for us? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that's going to help us. Um, and and again, the reducing the carbon footprint is really yeah, obviously we hear that everywhere. Also, yeah. the technologies that we're implementing on this particular is. Um, it's solid dielectric. I mean, there's no gases or oil. So when right. we put this particular, there's a you know the greenhouse greenhouse gases. So you know Canada and the U.S. and across the world are trying to eliminate that footprint. So anyway, so that's a, a device that's out there that you know helps eliminate uh, the greenhouse gases and maintenance free. But uh, the fundamentals of this requirement for power is all the multiple sources and where they're going to come from. Mm-hmm. Right? So the yep. solar, the, the wind farms. And so these interconnects, the higher the voltage levels, um, some of the solars are, you know, 38 kV and 15 kV, but the interconnects are at higher voltage. Right. Um, so, so we see, you know, number one is the integration of these sophisticated, powerful apparatuses with mm-hmm. current and voltage sensing needing to, to, to be live and active and integrated and be able to isolate. And so we're seeing more sensing more uh, faster accuracy, more response time, and then at the same time be maintenance-free, right? So that they they go up, they're self-diagnostic, they don't deteriorate or they're not dependent on certain things to exist for them to operate, whether it's maintenance or greases Mm -hmm. or oils or or your like SF6 or oil to keep the insulation, you know, going from high voltage. So interconnection is gonna be a really powerful piece all those sources and how you highlight them and how you kind of keep them all playing together nicely um, is really going to be the backbone. And like I say, sensing, speed, you know, those are all the things that are really going to be a core. If you do those really efficiently, you're going to continue to grow um, both in solutions for our customers and then being able to keep up with the grid. So we're not, you know, we're not creating a worse condition by, you know, things coming down because of whatever, some kind of glitch or some inability to interrupt. Yeah, well, and and I think your point about uh, you know increasing interconnections is is right on the mark. You know, everything everything that we've seen about being able to 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 reach these very aggressive greenhouse gas uh, reduction uh, targets is would, would suggest that uh, the future is going to be a, a, a an ever more complex mix of yeah grid grid scale resources, but more distributed resources and, and more more community scale resources and so on. So those, yeah, those connections are, are going to increase exponentially as, as we move into the future. I think that's really the, I'll call it the fun part of an engineer to have an idea and all of a sudden start to reach out to like a, like a 72 kV recloser is our, you know, our innovation, right? This is a, a solution that, you know, the utilities haven't had a, an, op, an opportunity They've been relying on, like I say, these manual operated disconnects, which yeah. is which have a, you know, again some functionality, right? They yep. have obviously yep. the core. You, you send a command, and if there's a motor, it can open up and start us. But they can't do anything high speed, right? They can't do anything right. fault, and you know they're going to wait to the the two ends of the substation decide what to do and open up, um, and then something will happen, and then they'll maybe try it again. And that, by that time, you're you know, customers are lost, productions are lost, and all right. of a sudden, yep. yeah, you, you miss the opportunity to just turn off that little section and snap that guy back off and on as quickly as you can. And that really, that recloser, that technology is really the core of this next. And doing it at, you know, at this higher voltage class is, is really the most powerful thing that we've been able to do here um, 
you know, as far as our, our creativity. And, and again, we've developed a lot of first and they keep scaling up. So, you know, it's exciting to think about our next first, but this one is a, this is one's at our doorstep that, that we're really excited about. To your, to your point about the importance of reliability, I, I know for, for most customers, for most residential customers, it's, it's an inconvenience if you lose power for a couple of minutes. But for some industries, if you lose power for a couple of minutes, you lose an entire day's production or, or, yeah. or more, right? And it sounds like, like even in, in, in your facility, that was one of the reasons why you yeah. went with this microgrid because uh, uh, interruption was resulting in, in loss to uh, loss production for, for your yeah. manufacturing as well. No, no, I was going to say, because it, it just re- reminds me and um, uh, kind of the, one of the bigger outages here was, you know, was when I was working with that, one of our utility or excuse me, one of the manufacturers and in the early 2000, 2003, where we had the, the major black. Yep. Yeah, that was a, that was a significant where trees right in Ohio yep. came in contact, the infrastructure, the maintenance, and all of a sudden, you know, like not only just the, I'll call it the territory in Ohio, but again, we're reaching across into Canada and, and we, and we've got extended outages, right? Because it's, the whole thing started collapsing. Yep. Uh, a couple of those places that were able to interconnect were able to kind of disconnect. But if you didn't have this high speed capability, you know, our utility here in, in, in Ohio area, they've had to sustain. And I've lived in that for a couple of days of outages, right? And that's when you realize, you know, there's a big deal going on here. Yeah. And, and, and it really resonates for me now as we start to bring in this technology that, you know, can obviously eliminate that cascading right and that's the yep. real powerful stuff right and that and that, i think that event was and i think they equated to you know 12 billion dollars worth of lost revenue and everything else so it was yep. really really expensive not to have the infrastructure and technology available to us yeah and that, that and it was it was as a result of of uh, our experiences from that power outage in 2003 that i got that insight into you know certain manufacturing processes where um, you know, we, we, we would look at it and say, well, it was inconvenient because they, you know, instituted some, some, some rotating blackouts, but you know, you were only out for a half hour, but sure in the middle of the summer, that's, that's not too bad for the residential customer, but there were specific industries where they lost, uh, you know, their entire production yeah. line. Uh, and the, yeah, the impacts were, were, were enormous, which is, yeah, which is where the, the billions of dollars of impacts were as a result of those sorts of, uh, those sorts of impacts. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, to be able to have that kind of, you know, kind of capability to isolate and do some things is, you know, is kind of, again, it, it brings the engineer and obviously the creativity out of it and say, wow, this is, this is really meaning something meaningful, right. As a, as a solution set for the industry. Yeah. Right on. Hey, Harry, one of the things that I ask folks to, that come on the podcast uh, is I ask them about a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, for you, what book would you recommend to, uh, to the listener today? What book would you add to our Flux Capacitor book club? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a big Tom Clancy fan. So, you know, one of the books I just read was uh, Command Authority. Um, okay. That's my recommendation. So one of my recent books but it, it was a uh, it kind of fits in with today's going on today and it's got that good kind of thrill minds thinking about a bunch of different stuff so it was okay so what me. is it what is it what is it about the book that uh, that really captured your your imagination yeah. yeah it's you know it's again it's a it's a little bit of espionage it's a little bit of generational um father-son kind of interaction and uh 
it's interesting because it's just the book does it kind of has a pieces of what's going on today so i don't want to spoil for the audiences but you know it's actually kind of takes place in a certain region of the country in europe okay. and activity and so you know i'm reading it and i'm like this is kind of going on today so it was kind of it was just fun right that's great. Hey, we'll, we'll, this, is, uh, this is the first Tom Clancy that we'll add to the Flux Capacitor book club. Harry, I want to thank you very much for, for taking the time to jump on the podcast. I think our, our, uh, our engineering nerd uh, listeners are, uh, <laughs> would have had a bit of a treat today. So thanks for taking the time to, to join us. Yeah, I appreciate the time as well. It was very nice meeting you, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Flux Capacitor. And as a reminder, this podcast now has a website, which can be found at thefluxcapacitor.ca. And while you're there, check out the book club page, which provides info and links to the books which have been recommended by guests on the Flux Capacitor. Please tune in for the next episode of the podcast, featuring a discussion with Monica Gattinger, the Chair of Positive Energy at the University of Ottawa. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.